The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 16th, 2023. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, my co-producer, Ken Norton, and my webmaster. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Elaine. Boy, it looks like it's going to be a little bit of a rainy day here in Sonoma County. I'm really pleased about today's uh, show. Joining me on the phone will be retired Congresswoman Lynn Woolsey. Lynn Woolsey is a former U.S. representative for California's 6th Congressional District, serving from 1993 to 2013. Wow, 20 years of service. She's a member of the Democrat Party, and she was a member of the uh, Congressional Progressive Caucus and was a co-chair uh, from 210 until her retirement. You know, I'm going to ask her what that is, that Progressive Caucus, just to give us kind of an overview of what that is all about. And also, uh, during our conversation, uh, for the second half of the show with uh, Congresswoman uh, Lynn Woolsey, we'll be talking about uh, her career as a Congresswoman and uh, what she's doing in retirement. And then also, we'll be talking and doing a little bit of a tribute to uh, Senator uh, Diane Feinstein who passed away on September uh, 29, 2023. You know, both women kind of came to uh, the uh, to Washington, D.C. around the same time. It was uh, around 1992. They called it the Year of the Woman because so many women were elected to different offices and were serving uh, in Washington. And, you know, it's amazing when you see how many women right now are actually serving. What always surprises me is when women turn against women and they just, they, they're so nervous about all this thing about choice and they just seem to forget what women did and who whose shoulders they are standing on. In fact, one of the songs I'm going to be playing is a song called The Ones Who Came Before Us, The Ones Who Laid the Ground, you know. And Diane Feinstein, I mean, I may not have always agreed with her politically and uh, looks sometimes at the way she handled things were a little bit rough for me. But the bottom line is she was one of the first women in San Francisco to be one of the first mayors and also she was one of the first women from California to go to the uh, California State Senate and then to become a a senator in Washington, D.C. from California. So she had an amazing career, and I think it's worthwhile uh, giving her some kudos for that. And also, uh, the whole point of women's spaces is to support women and to support women in standing up and to give examples of women who have come before us and what they have done, because you know, right now we are in such a dilemma of time and space. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, yesterday I kind of lost it. I mean, I got so emotional when I started thinking about what's going on with Israel and, and Palestine. And I was listening to one of the commentators, uh, uh, on, uh, on the, on the computer and he was losing, um, he was losing clients because he took a stand of, against a Palestine. He supported Israel. And then, of course, the people who were supporting Palestine, they're arguing with him and the ones who are supporting Israel, and they're going back and forth. And, and all of a sudden, I thought to myself, why are we taking a side? 
You know, war is not good for anybody. I mean, this conflict has been going on forever and ever and ever. And, you know, I did a little bit of history, and I I, I hope people remember during Mother's Day, I always play the uh, – the Mother's Day Proclamation uh, written by Julia Ward Howe, you know, and that was written in the 1800s. Actually, it was 149 years ago that that proclamation was actually written. You know, and here we are still warring, still sending our sons and now our daughters to the front lines and some of the stuff that's going on. And what was so amazing to me when it came to this conflict between Israel and uh, and Palestine, instead of sending peace negotiators, they send more weapons. And we don't, they don't need more weapons. I mean, Israel has tons of weapons, billions of dollars worth of weapons have been going into that country. You know, and then when you think of what's happening, you know, I got so upset last night when I was thinking about it. And why did I get upset? Because I think of the women and children that were suffering, the civilians that suffer. I see all those apartment houses being blown up. And I think of who's in there, you know, who's crying, who's who's grieving over a lost child, a lost husband, a lost sister, a lost brother. You know, war is ugly. And you would think here we are, a human race, a species that's invented the airplane, that's invented the computers. Look what we're doing. Now we have, you know, we have this new intelligence. I can't believe it. Uh, I, I put something in the computer and asked a question. It, it's, it brought me seven pages of information. I couldn't believe it. I mean, this is the new thing around. How do they, what do they call it? They call it a artificial intelligence. I mean, amazing. And yet we cannot find a way to peace in the Middle East. We can't find a way to peace across the globe. You know, I I keep thinking of what Einstein said. You know, we're going to end up with clubs in our hands beating the heck out of each other. I mean, we got to stop. You know, we got to think of the future. We have to think the future of our children. And I think the best way to stop is to not to take a side. To say, stop it. You guys sit down, figure a way to do this. I mean, we're all children of the earth. And what are we fighting over? We're fighting over territories and land when it's all of our land, you know, and when you start thinking about it. But, you know, I don't want to go on into another ramp, but it's very upsetting to me. And my heart goes out to both sides, all the Israeli, what they're suffering there, you know, what the Jewish people have suffered for centuries and for what's happening with the Palestinian people right now, you know, the women and children, and it's just, it's mind-boggling to me. So I hope, I hope that we all stand up for peace. And, you know, speaking about 149 years ago that the Mother's Day Proclamation, well, in 2019, a woman by the name of Riviera Sun, who is part of Code Pink, she wrote a new uh, Mother's Day Proclamation. I want to read this. It's very, very interesting. Instead of flowers, give us peace. Instead of brunch, End the wars. Let no more mothers raise their children to kill other mothers' children. That's what war is all about. Let no mother raise their children to kill another mother's child. Give us instead the abolition of war, the promotion of peace, and the care of people and planet. To commemorate Mother's Day without demanding these changes rings that for every mother appreciating the beauty of the spring, there is another mother screaming, under the terror of bombs and bullets. For every mother savoring breakfast in bed, there's a mother angry and unhoused, stateless and fleeing from war. We, the mothers and the children of mothers, stand united against war and united for the well-being of people and planet. Wow. 
think about that. I'm going to post this on our website, www.womenspaces.com. Read it. Think about it as a woman. I love this. Let no more mothers raise their children to kill a mother, another mother's child. Amazing, amazing thought. Well, I have a few announcements to make before we get into our history as our strength. And it looks like, you know, it looks like we have on uh, October 20th here, I'm happy to announce that the uh, uh, Black Chamber of Commerce here in Santa Rosa, they're going to be having, oh boy, I I lost my little, oh, I can't believe it, I lost my little thing. Well, I'm not going to announce that, but they are are having a... um, they're having a trade show. It's going to be at the, the church on Patio Street, and I cannot find the – it's the Church of the Roses on Patio Street, and it's going to be October 20th. Do you remember the time by any chance, Ken? Oh, I, I swear when I use the papers, it's it just – yeah, about four thirty to five to about eight thirty, you know. And it's, we're going to announce it on www.womenspaces.com. dot com, and you can go on Facebook, look up the Black Chamber of Commerce, Sonoma County Black Chamber of Commerce, North, North Bay Chamber of Commerce, and you'll be able to find North out. North Bay Black Chamber of Commerce. North Bay Black Chamber of Commerce, and you'll be able to find out all the information there. Thanks a lot, sweetie. Wow, you know, I, it just this war thing has just got me all. Uh, anyway, um, another announcement: we're going to, on October twenty second from four to six thirty p.m. We're going to be celebrating. I don't know what you can call it, celebrating or uh, I don't know what to call it. It's going to be at Yandy's uh, Unity Park. It's a memorial service to to once again bring bring into light you know what happened on October seventeenth on October twenty second you know it's oh it's been over ten years and um, it's important to acknowledge that because we're still struggling we're still trying to get accountability we're still trying to get Ilero to be strong there's so many things going on in this county but this is very important that people show up and that's going to be at Andy's uh, Unity Park at 3399 Moreland Avenue in Santa Rosa and they'll be celebrating from 4 to uh, 6:30 p.m. I want to do a shout out to my dear friend Concha who who organizes that every year and I hope that Sir Jay and his mother will be there so we can hug her and say hello and just let her know we believe that her son did not die in vain what a horrible day that was when you start thinking about it well talking about children I got to say happy birthday to my beautiful beautiful grandson Ryan Jensen who on October 18th which is two days from now is going to be 35 years old it's hard to believe that 35 years have passed and that he's a father of two beautiful children it's just it's just amazing so happy birthday Ryan I wish you a wonderful 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 year i mean oh my god 35 30 in the 30s they were the best years they really were that's when i went back to school and all kinds of wonderful things happened well let's go into our next segment which is our history is our strength and and the reason i do that like i said at the beginning of the show is to let women know what other women have accomplished you know, there's so much complaining in the world. There's so much bad news. It's always good to hear the good news that people have stood up and have accomplished something. And so many of these women have laid the groundwork for many of us. So so let's say what happened on October 16th, that's today, but this was in 1916, Margaret Sanger opens up the first United States birth control clinic in Brooklyn, New York. And let me tell you something. 
when that clinic opened, that woman was arrested so quickly. It was amazing. There was a thing called the Comstock Act, which actually prevented women. It was against the law to use birth control. Not only was it against your religion, but it was also against the law. Can you believe that? I mean, we had no choice. I mean, look at how much women have accomplished since they have control over their bodies. And I believe that's what the contention is. That's what the struggle is. Certain groups, certain uh, genders, so to speak, certain older genders do not want to see women have the amount of power they have. I mean, every t- everywhere you turn around, they're not only women, but women of color. You know, women standing up, taking stands, it's just amazing. And they want to put us back a few years. And when you look at what Margaret Sanger went through just to bring birth control, just talking about using rhythm systems and, and educating women on what to do, uh, look what she went through. She laid the ground for us. And this happened on October 16, 1916. And we're still struggling for the right to choose. So it's amazing. Well, another thing that happened on uh, a birthday, say happy birthday. This woman was born October 16th, 1895 and made her transition in 1989 was Marguerite Walt. She was a lawyer, the president of the National Federation of Business and Professional Women from 1954 to 1956. And, you know, that was a that was an organization for professional women. It just started. It was all of a sudden women saying that we need to come together. She was very much a supporter of the Equal Rights Amendment and the entire feminist agenda, particularly including the word sex in Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It's interesting, the word sex. I mean, it's just, it's just so interesting how women, how hard it is for women to, to come together to have a place at the table. It is very, very difficult. Well, there's another thing that happened on October 18th, 1956. Uh, that was a real big day that Martina Navalota, she was a tennis champion, nine time Wimbledon singles woman in the women's division. And at that time, when she was playing tennis, they were not acknowledging women at all. Is everything okay, Kim? They're not acknowledging uh, women at all. And then we have one last woman, one last woman. This woman was born October 19th, 1891, and she made her transition in 1984. That's Lois Meek Stoll. She was the first president of Education of Young Children from 1929 to 1931. She urged works projects administration, listen to this, to establish nursery schools. Now, here we are. Here we are in 1931. She was she was trying to get them to do women having a nursery school, having a place for women to drop their children off, particularly when they were going to work. And we're still struggling for that. And I'm going to tell you a funny story. When I was going to Los Angeles City College, I got this big idea. You know, I was a single parent and it was in the in the 70s and in the 70s many many women were coming back to college, particularly women that were all of a sudden found themselves as single parents, which was kind of phenomena there at back then. It was not the norm, so to speak. A single a single woman with children it was just wasn't the norm. And here I was back in school. You know, and I had to drop my daughter off at kindergarten and then and then I would go pick her up. But then I was limited to the classes I would take. And I thought I got together with a group of women and we decided we're going to try to do a daycare. Well, forget it. 
It never happened. We were hit with so many, why you can't do it? You can't do it this way. This, you got to have insurance. You got, I mean, on and on and on and on. And we finally just gave up. But it really, it really was an eye opener for me. It showed me how difficult it was for women to really find a place to, re- you know, you, we have children. You know, it's, it's really it's so interesting to all these people that are yelling about the fetus and, and they're against abortion, yet they, they don't yell when it comes to not having food for children or homeless children in the street. I mean, that doesn't seem important. It seems like before they're born, they have more value than after they're born. I mean, that doesn't make much sense to me. But... You know, maybe one day I'm always calling for some woman to come on the show to really explain the logic to this. I really want to know what the logic is, but, you know, maybe that'll happen one day. Well, anyway, that's our history is our strength. And, you know, when you're, when you're sitting back and you're, you're listening to all these things, you know, how, how can you make history? Well, Many of us are not going to be superstars. We're not going to get our names in the big, broad light. But you know something? You can write letters to editors. You know, you can call your representatives and say, you know, I want you to work on peace. I want you to work. I want to make sure everybody has medical. You know, it's so interesting when you see they're just sending billions of dollars worth of weaponry for a war, but yet there are, they want to say that we're, we have, we're not entitled to medical. That's an entitlement. You know, who do we think we are that we should all, the government should take care of us? It's not the government taking care of us. It's us paying taxes to the government with the hope that some of that money is going to come back for the welfare of all of us. So it's a very, very simple concept. But we make it so complicated that it doesn't make sense anymore. Well, we're going to take a musical break, and then we're going to get uh, Lynn Woolsey on the phone. And I'm a retired congresswoman, Will Lynn Woolsey, on the phone, and I'm really looking forward to that uh, conversation. I found this song. It's called Candles in the Windows. I'm not going to play the whole thing. We're all going to play only about three minutes of it. You know, it, it, this it feels like you need listen to the first the first line. Listen to the words of this. There were candles, candles, candles in the window all around the world. Candles, candles. There were candles all around the world. Candles for peace. That's what it's talking about. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's go ahead and play this song, Candles in the Window, sung by Betsy Rose. Uh, She recorded this in 2008, if you can believe that. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking to retired Congresswoman Lynn Woolsey. Candles, candles, there were candles in the windows all around the world. Candles, candles, there were candles all into flames and the towers crumbled down friend and enemy alike felt the trembling in the ground the shock it rippled around the world the sorrow and the fright and people we called enemies lit candles in the night a mother in Morocco teacher in Tehran, a soldier in El Salvador, a 
child in Pakistan lit candles in their windows for strangers far away. They felt our common sorrow. We were family that day. And there were candles, candles. There were candles in Priest, I love this. Listen to these words. Today it's seven years gone by. How little now remains of the goodwill that surrounded us in the midst of all our pain. Oh, the wars we have started, the lives that have been lost, the trust that have been broken. How can we count the cost? You know, folks, there's only one answer to all this. We have to find a way to peace. You know, people say no justice, no peace. We have to find a way. And each one of us has to ask ourselves, how can we contribute? What can we do to help promote peace? And what are we doing in our lives? And what we are we paying attention to? Lots to think about. Lots to think about. Well, for you just joining me, I want to remind my listeners, the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce one of my favorite people in the whole world, retired Congresswoman Lynn Woolsey. Lynn, welcome once again to Women's Spaces. Thank you, Elaine. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Oh, no, I just love having you on. And today we're going to do, we're going to talk about your early career, and then we'll take a little break, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Diane Feinstein, and I'm really excited about that. Is it okay if I tell folks just a little bit about you? Sure, but before you do that, I have one thing to say about what you just talked about, candles in the window. Go ahead. Uh, my, my thrust now is, Humans must be humane. Humanity must be humane. Where, where, what's wrong with us as humans? 
that we can't make the, all, any of this right, then I'll drop it at that. You, well, you, you know, you know, it's amazing that you say that because one of the things that I've been thinking about is a lot of people are taking sides. And I say, don't take a side. Say no to war and insist people go and do something. Sit down. I mean, you know, we're human beings. We all need to learn how to share the planet and live together. To me, it's that simple. Well, it is that simple, and that's going to destroy it if we don't get it well maybe maybe now you know when we start saying what is with us though you know i some people say one a friend of mine said well you know war is in our nature i said i don't think uh, our nature is to survive not to war so that's right and greed is not shouldn't be in our nature well it's very interesting you're right so anyway, let me let's tell folks just a little bit about you, Lynn. I just love talking about you. <laughs> Lynn, oh, me too. <laughs> Lynn Woolsey was elected in 1992. Was called the Year of the Woman. She joined 23 other freshman women representatives in the 103rd Congress in 1993 to 1995. That's when there's a big flux of women. Uh, Woolsey uh, used her experience as a member of the Petaluma City Council in California to mount a successful congressional campaign and to build a two-decade career in the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, Woolsey was born in Seattle, uh, King County, Washington, on November 3, 1937. She graduated from Lincoln High School in Seattle, Washington. She attended the University of Washington, Seattle, Washington, in 1955 and got her... uh, a bachelor in science from the University of San Francisco in San Francisco, California. In 1980, she was a human resource manager and personal service owner, a teacher at Marin Community College in Indian Valley, uh, California, uh, uh, instructor. And one of the things that I knew about about Lynn, because all of us were all there was a big influx of women coming back to school. Women that were on welfare at the time. I don't call it welfare. I call it a assistance to support women. In, in, in rising yeah. to the rank, so to speak. And she had that experience. So with that experience gave her a depth of understanding of what women go through when all of a sudden funds maybe are, are taken away from them or divorce, a death, all kinds of things happen. Anyway, Lynn, would you like to add anything else? Well, only that when you were talking about uh, aid for dependent children and, and welfare, um, what was the good the thing about me being a member of Congress is no member of Congress had ever ever admitted that they had been on welfare and uh, people would counsel me and say you can't no you can't be known just for that and I'd say look if I can't be known for having survived welfare gotten ahead then who else will do it and uh, after that, uh, Barbara Lee got uh, elected, and she wasn't going to say anything. And we met, I mean, we were really good friends, and we met in the aisle of the floor. She's going down to speak, and I said, Barbara, if you don't say who you are and what you've done, we're doing a disfavor to women. And she, and she knew it. I mean, she's the best person on earth. So she spoke, and from then on, it was not a dirty word. 
Well, you know, it's interesting because when I went back, I went back to school when I was 30 and I ended Uh up, I ended up getting pneumonia. And when I was in the hospital, they came and they told me that because I was ill, that that Johnson had set up all these different programs and I was eligible. Well, I was able to go all the way to a master's degree. And what ended up happening, I figured out later on what I paid in taxes from my career, Uh which, which was almost a 50 year career was 17 or 20 times what they gave me as a substance for as for welfare. So, And it happened with a lot of women. A lot of these women that you see that are educated now, lawyers, newscasters, all of them came through the same kind of issues. And by the time they're finished, what they pay in taxes is far, far greater than anything that they gotten. And, and, and we paid taxes while we were... If we earned a penny over our welfare, it just went back into the system. And when I would just me before Barbara and I would speak on the House floor, being counsel, don't make make sure you're not known just for having been a welfare mother. Well, I had plenty to do besides being known for that. Uh, I would hear that the the floor would be silent, and I would hear people say. Well, yeah, but she's different. Well, you you are different. You are different. No, no, no. I was the exact profile of an average welfare mother. Oh, yes, yes. White, uh, abandoned by her husband, had two children. I have three. My children were one, three, and five when this all started. Uh, But I I have three children. But, uh, you know, they had a whole other idea of who welfare mothers were. Welfare mothers were exactly the profile of who you and I were. Well, yeah, I don't know if you were on welfare. Well, no, that's what I was. I'm saying that. I got, yeah, you know, yeah. I was able to I mean, do we, that. Yeah, and we were actually the profile of the kind of people that welfare helped and the average, who the average welfare recipient is. I don't know about now. They've made it so hard now. Well, but. I know I know it wasn't the, the woman taking drugs in the Cadillac. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway. No, no. Nor and, were very many of them. But right. That's, that's who they, well, then, then talk a little bit about, talk about what motivated you to get involved in politics. I mean, you were, you know, you went through all these different things. You had a career. You're working. You had these three children. All of a sudden, you end up on the, the Commission on the Status of Women. And before you know it, you're taking off. What What was your motivation? What were you, what were you thinking at the beginning? Well, for sure, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to be a congresswoman. Uh, no. Uh, but I had always been involved in what I was interested in. I mean, if something was happening that I was interested in being involved in, I got involved all the way. And I was a really good team member, or if the the team needed leadership, nine out of ten times I'd end up being the leader. And and I started by being vice president of my girls' club in in junior high, in high school. So, uh, you know, Little by little, those things uh, add up and give you experience, and you know you're trying to have a big voice. And I, and that's what got me going. And then uh, we had a land use issue in Petaluma, and I got involved in that, and we won a single issue uh, uh, vote of first one in the state to stop a project that was being built in Petaluma, and. Uh, 
they wouldn't let me be on the planning commission because, uh, you know, heaven forbid, I then woke with her big mouth to be on the planning commission. She can make things happen. And so I tried three times, and the third time, I'd always get three out of the seven votes, so I'd never get that fourth vote. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, well, okay, I'm going to run for city council. And I did, and got more votes than anybody up until that time had ever gotten in Petaluma. So uh, that was the beginning. Well, we well at least you know that's amazing that you were able that you had the confidence and the courage to just keep running, keep moving in there. You know what 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 were some of the challenges you had because you were you just like Diane Feinstein. So many of you were the first woman, the first woman, the first woman. What were some of your challenges in being the first woman in all those different elections? Well, uh, well, of course, my the most important election for me was Congress, and. Uh, I was running against seven men and and another woman, but she was really in there. She wasn't really. She was kind of a to some uh, somebody who put her name had helped her so that uh, I wouldn't get all the women's votes, you know, because that would really upset the the men that were winning running. So um, I was at my desk and we had the. Uh, you know, we had our office going and all that for the primary. Seven men, Lynn Wolsey, and I can't remember the other woman's name. And uh, the phone call came from the head of the Democratic Party in in uh, Sonoma County, David, and I can't think his last name. He said, Lynn, uh, we're going to ask you to drop out of the race. Are you <laughs> yeah. serious? No, no. Because if you stay in it, Bennett Johnson will get it. The kid, young kid from, wasn't even from the area. And, uh, he was the son of a, a, a senator. And, uh, if you don't get it, uh, Bennett Johnson will get it. And you have, you have to get out of it. So Eric Koenig Schofer or Dennis, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name now from Marin can, can win. And I just sat there and listened to him and I, he paused, and I said, David, how many men have you called today to ask them to drop out of the race? <laughs> Blank. And uh, we hung up. Hold on a minute. I want to go. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, have to... I didn't know that. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it a huge challenge. A well, in, a, in my race, is such a long shot. Oh, my goodness. Well, I remember. I remember we were in in your kitchen in Petaluma, and I lived in Roner Park at the time. And we were figuring out how we were going to walk in precincts. And somebody came up and said, "And you said I don't know if I'm going to win. I don't know." And and I think it was Bonnie Eisenberg said, "Probably, you're going to win." And we yep. all screamed, "You're going to win!" And when when you won, we all screamed, "You won!" <laughs> so. Well, that was the thing. If I hadn't had the Women's History Project. I mean, I was uh, chair of the commission when it was born, the women's, uh, the commission on the status of women. But but I wasn't the mother of, but it was, uh, it was born under that commission. And uh, we were all really good friends. And I was so proud of them when they, you know, went off and started the Women's History Project. And uh, so I went to them and said, you're the first people I've told this to. But, uh, and there was about 
010 of the at the Women's History Project office. I said, I'm um, going to run for Congress. And they all gasped. And I said, <laughs> and I cannot win without you. That's right. And uh, so Bonnie Eisenberg, standing way in the back of the room, it just took about a click, click. And she said, well, here's the deal. <laughs> we have always supported the women we like. None of them, not one of them has ever won. <laughs> but we will support you 100%. And they made it happen. Uh, the community thought that I had a huge campaign. <laughs> this, those are those wonderful women. I call them the girlfriends. And you were you became part of that, too. Well, thank you. Know, you. I love thank you, Elaine. I love being a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just, uh, it, well... Well, and remember, I ran against Bill Flaunty the, uh, after I won the – well, first of all, uh, I won the primary by 8%, and there was seven of us in the primary. So that's that's a big win. But, you know, it's really interesting because I was at a meeting, and someone told me I'm a woo-woo thinker because I have a certain – principle and yeah. one of my principles is persistence you know and i really yeah. believe when you persist when you have faith in yourself and trust in yourself and you get a good team like we had all the women behind you and you know something somehow it worked out because we were so focused i really believe we were so focused that you were that we were going to have a winner this time i mean it was almost like it was it was almost obsessive if you know what i mean we well were, it had to be yeah, and we were gonna we were gonna do it. And I remember, I remember Bonnie. I remember she was a driver, you know. And I I felt because I was already in my thirties, you know, so I was a lot older than a lot of these different women. And all of a sudden, coming up and seeing that we could accomplish what we accomplished. Well, we're coming to the end of this segment, but there's one question I just want to ask you because you came into Congress at it was called the Year of the Woman. What was that like? All of a sudden, the, all these women coming in. What were some of your challenges, real quick? if you don't mind well very quickly uh it was i didn't know the difference you see <laughs> but, uh, but uh i can tell you my story about the the you know two years our first two years and we got real close and we'd have dinners ju- and i'd organize them just with the women uh so we got so we could get to know each other and uh, and we all started and we really started liking each other and and all that, even though we weren't exactly, we were all Democrats, but we weren't exactly politically the same. So on the very last day before we were going off for the our uh, elections for the after the first two years, I noticed that the men were just walking off the floor, not saying goodbye to anybody. I mean, not certainly to us, but to anybody. The women were all hugging each other, shaking hands, wishing each other good luck, <laughs> uh, you know, kissy-kissy, you know, and hugs and tears if people were having hard, hard races. And when it was all over, my group of friends that went out to dinner every week, there's about, oh, about 16 of us. There's only two and a half of us left. And I say a half because the other woman, Elizabeth First from Port up in Oregon, up in Portland, Oregon, she barely won, but she won. I mean, she was hang, and she never changed her ideals either. 
pregnancy, and she got stronger and stronger. She got a weaker and weaker as a woman. Well, but, it, sounds, uh, it sounds like it was a little more personal. Well, it was. See, see, that's what women bring to the picture. Yeah, I believe that. It's a yeah, lot more personal. That's my point, is that we bring humanity. If we're humane women, <laughs> well, let's let's we hold let's general. hold let's hold that thought. Let's hold that thought. You know, I'm going to play a song sung by Betsy Gra- uh, Betsy Grant in the women's chorus, and it's called "The Ones Who've Come Before Us." And definitely, you're one of them, and Diane Feinstein is one of them, and Barbara Lee, who's still fighting in there, the only woman who voted against the war during the Iraq thing. I mean, that was that to me was the most courageous thing I've ever seen. So, folks, we're going to take a musical break. We're going to play The Ones Who Come Before Us, sung by Betsy Rose and the Women's Chorus. And when we come back, we're going to continue my conversation with a former uh, retired Congresswoman Lynn Woolsey. And we'll be talking a little bit about uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, who made her transition on September 29, 2023, after service of over 20 years as a senator in Washington, D.C. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play that song.
guests, the ones who are standing on the shoulders of many great women. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And joining me on the phone is a, for a retired Congresswoman, Lynn Woolsey. And we're going to talk about, right now, we're going to talk about Diane Feinstein, Senator Diane Feinstein, who made her transition on September uh, 29 to 2023. And let me just tell you just a little bit about her. Uh, she was uh, Diane Goldman Berman Feinstein. Uh, she was a senator from uh, June 22nd, 19, let's see, since 1992 until her death in 2023. She was a member of the Democratic Party, and she also served as mayor of San Francisco from 1978 to 1988 and came to the Senate along with Lynn Woolsey during around 1992, which was the year of the woman. So welcome back, Lynn. Talk, Talk a little bit, you know, when was the first time you met Diane Feinstein and what was that like? You know, here she was the first woman to serve from California to serve on the Senate. She was, and uh, she was magnificent. That's all I can tell you. Uh, I mean, that's not all I can tell you, but I, I, I was in awe from the beginning because she, she was really well positioned for her senatorial seat, and she knew what she wanted, and she knew how to do it, and uh, she was fair. And I'm telling you, if she told a, another a colleague, uh, somebody in the Congress, who most senators don't pay much attention to Congress people, uh, she, if she was with you on a project, she was 100% with you, and you knew she would never, ever, uh, you know, take it away or be dirty or anything like that. She was... So she was someone you trusted. She was someone you trusted. And we all could, anybody could, that once she made a commitment to you or something, you know. She she was uh, more centrist than I am, and and uh, but she, if she was uh, healthy today, she'd be very important in what's going on, let me tell you. Well, you know, it's really interesting about her, which I found out that she graduated Stanford University in 1955. And also, she was elected to uh, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors in 1969. And and, uh-huh. and she went on with a career. She was the first of so many. And, and the thing that really spurred her on was the assassination of uh, Mayor, uh, you know, to yeah. Supervisor Harvey Milk, that that was really, that really yeah. pushed her over the edge. You know, did you guys, did you work? on any project with her or what is one of what are your memories of working with the project with her well because probably everything that came out of the house that went to the senate that was anything that i had my name on she'd have her name on the same thing in in the in the senate uh you know you don't do it as a group to start with you don't the senate and the house are separate and then they come together and and uh uh, you know, try to make something work out for both sides. But uh, if if she was always there, I mean, she did. Well, one of my favorite things was Smart Rail for Marin County. See, she had the Marin and Sonoma. She had to go out of her way. She had to care about Northern California. Let's put it that way. I mean, but she represented all of California. But she had to care about across the Golden Gate Bridge. And she just totally, once she understood what 
we were after and what was going to happen and that, you know, we had all of our ducks in a row. She was 100% there. And the other one besides the, the rail is, for me, the expansion of the Farallon Islands National Marine Sanctuary. Because that's my legacy, but she really, really was helpful and supportive through the whole thing. What is that sanctuary? Well, uh, we have the largest, one of the largest marine sanctuaries off our coast uh, between uh, all of Marin and all of Sonoma County in in the world, really. And uh, I doubled, more than doubled the size of what it already, it had been uh, the one from San Francisco to Mendocino County. I mean, I didn't do it by myself, but it was my my legacy and my dream, and uh, she was 100% behind it, and uh, you could always count on her. I can tell you that. And the things she did for transportation and and the transition between uh, Covello Park under the Golden Gate Bridge from military to uh, a, a community location where people go dine and eat now and everything. I mean, she was just a perfect partner there. Well, you know, she was, you know, she was reelected five times. You know, in in the 2012 election alone, she received 7.86 billion, excuse me, million votes. And it was was the most popular votes received by any U.S. Senate in in history, what do you, what do you think? What was the one thing that you believe that made her so popular? Because towards the end, as she got older, you know, when she, I remember the the thing that happened one time, she met with those young those young kids about the environment, and they got very upset with her. And I I always kind of felt bad about that because I know she did many many things for women and many things for many women's issue to have that to you know to to remember her by. So what what what? What, what do you think made her so popular? What do you well, think it she, was? Well, I, because she was, she was who she was. She knew what she wanted, and she knew how to talk people into what was the right way of doing things or her way. And if not, she knew how to compromise at the right points. And she was absolutely respected. I mean, uh, that last race, when she was challenged on that one, and I wrote a great big letter to the news, the newspaper, I think it was the San Francisco Chronicle, and, it, and said, look, folks, do not, you know, don't take this wonderful woman for granted. And all she's, I mean, all she's done and done well, and then nobody knew she'd get you know, sick at the end, but they're in there for six years, so who knows at that age. But, uh, yes, I mean, that, I mean, she was straightforward. She wasn't emotional. She didn't, you know, pull punches. She could give a speech with humor, you know. She, I mean, she was just, she was good. She was just what uh, 
probably everybody should look at, for man and woman, for being a really good senator. Well, you know, we're coming to the end. We're coming to the end of the segment very quick, and there's two questions I'd like you to ask. The first thing is, and let's go back to you and your service for over 20 years. I mean, my goodness. I don't know how you manage it. I always think you with your three girls, you know, going back and forth to Washington and all the different things you have to do. But well, what do you think, you know, even you and Diane, what do you think, what do you think if, if you had a chance to maybe do it over again, or what do you think that, what has been left undone? What do you do? What do you say to yourself, darn, I wish I would have worked a little harder on that? Oh, well, I wish, no, no, I don't have a lot of that, believe me. Um, the There's a couple of things I, I in 20 years, you're not going to do everything. You're going to learn when you've done something wrong. And there was a couple of things I did wrong. One of them was I did not vote with Barbara Lee on that vote. I mean, against the the war in Iraq. And uh, it, 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 I, I, and because I really believe what she believes. And there was a whole a small group of us that knew the minute we voted that that was the wrong thing to do. But you just have to understand it was all so fast, and there was, and she she virtually begged me because I I mean if there was anybody that should have been with her, it would be me. I, I just didn't. And uh, the most important reason I should you know two people would a big deal, but not the whole pressure of the hate people would not been on one person. I mean she was really at risk for her life after that and uh you know so that that was a mistake on my part period well the most important thing is i think just the fact you know that you 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 say this that you made a mistake another woman can think well wait maybe i should think before i vote too you know i mean that's that's the beauty of having someone who who say yes you know, I wish I would have done it differently. Well, we've come to the end of the segment, and if you could just give us one or two sentences, what you feel if there's somebody out there that wants to run for office, what advice, well, how would you inspire them? Know yourself, know your goals, and know where you stand on things that are important because you just have to know who you are. That's all there is to it, and it it is, and you don't get pulled and tugged from a million directions, and never feel like you're doing the right thing. Uh, those are the people that are unhappy in the in elected office, uh, don't really get anything done because they aren't true to themselves. And if your district doesn't like who you are, don't be in that district. Because you are giving them you. And the one thing that people say to me over and over and over, and they still do, oh, we miss you. And I say, no, you don't. You've got to, you don't have to miss me. You've got Jared Huffman. He's wonderful. But uh, they say, yeah, but we always knew you never changed. You never became another person. And uh, that's because I knew who I was. Well, let's hold it at that, Lynn. Thank you so much for being on Women's Spaces. And yes, to know who you are and it's, it, and to stand tall, to not to be afraid to be who you are. So thank you so much. 
retired Congressman Lynn Woolsey for being such a wonderful guest on Women's Spaces and for sharing a little bit of her insight into Diane to Senator Diane Feinstein. Thank you so much, Lynn. Wishing you a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you, Elaine, and thank you for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Well, that's it for our show. Special thank you to retired Congresswoman Lynn Woolsey. Uh, and, you know, it was a great interview. She gave us insight into Diane Feinstein, who passed away on September 29th, 2023. Uh, you know, many may have disagreed with her. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things we can say about her. You know, if for good, positive, negative, whatever, the most important thing is that she was a woman, that she stood up, that she had a voice, and she was willing to stand up and say, I want to serve and run for election. Well, a reminder, you know, make sure you tell your friends that Women's Base is on tonight at 11 o'clock. I love it. I get to listen to myself. Anyway, this is Elaine Beholtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. A reminder, our children are the future, and we must never lose sight of that. If not a woman in your life, she's someone to pursue. She's patient and she's waiting and she'll take you home now. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 16, 2023.